3: Say goodbye to diluted creams and serums that are often made up of 70% water and 15% preservatives, leaving minimal space for the ingredients your skin craves. The scientists behind fiber skincare have spent 15 years perfecting nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. And just one year ago, they patented a way of wrapping these nanofibers around oil or liquid-based ingredients. Ingredients. The result was a formula that delivers five times more active ingredients compared to creams or serums with no need for fillers like water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is a plant-based anti-wrinkle set of patches that you use over seven days, applying them just like your favorite serums. Your skin will feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over seven days, the program is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by 19.4%. In fact, they have a tighter skin guarantee where if your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they will give you your money back, no questions asked. Go to fiberskincare.com and use code UNFILTERED for
2: 15% off. So is it that you don't understand the, like, what environment are we in, what's different? And then you have to start having these conversations with your child about, you know... How does it feel when you're sitting with everybody and everybody's ch- chatting behind you? See if they can recognize you and be like, you know what? I feel I, I don't like it when everyone's talking around me.
0: Hey guys, it is Monday and welcome to the CatNet Unfiltered Podcast. And this is a special podcast because Nat and I started the Common Parent way back when because when we had teenagers we felt way over our head and like no one was talking about it toddlers and the younger ones everyone had all the conversations and there was books so the common parent is a community that we created for members where they can go and listen to amazing experts now because we love our community so much we wanted to bring over some of the experts so you could hear little snippets of them we bring you one a monday If you're in the membership, you know that you get full access to them, and you have a whole bunch of library in there. So if you're new here, go check out thecommonparent.com. And if you're not, you're going to take a listen to some of the experts that join us. Um, Really, it is about taking tools for your toolbox, quick hits, because a lot of us don't have time for a lot of books, and all the experts are so amazing that learning something that's actionable that day is like, ah, the best. So uh, this Monday, we hope you enjoy our expert and just sit back. Uh, We know it can be overwhelming. We know it can feel like a lot, but with the experts and the community and us, we all can do this together. Take a listen um, to our next expert right after this break.
3: get it off your chest with better help visit betterhelp.com slash cat and today to get 10 percent off your first month that's better help com slash cat and as moms we are often juggling a million and one things with our kids going in a million different directions and taking care of everyone else can mean that we often forget about ourselves love your skin again, go to dimebeautyco.com now and unlock your discount. That's dimebeautyco.com.
2: First, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be part of this with you guys. I am Sabrina Adair. I'm an occupational therapist, I'm a mama of four, and I own a company called Enabling Adaptations. So what I do is I actually work with parents to help them understand um, their kids, what makes them who they are, and build strategies on how to deal with them. So that goes across the spectrum of all ages. And so one of the things that I found a lot working with parents is that we don't always understand what makes our kids unique and what brings them what makes them experience the world the way they do. And that's what we actually refer to as the sensory the sensory system. So that's what I want to chat with you guys about today is understanding how each kid understands the world or experiences the world and how that can affect them. What's interesting is that as a, a kid, we often can see how they experience the world, like as babies and toddlers, when they touch the water for the first time and so on and so forth. But as they get older, the way they're experiencing the world and the way they react to the world is those behaviors that we see. So teens and tweens, for example, right, can get overwhelmed with the world, overwhelmed with everything that's happening. And we think it sometimes has to do with like all of the stress that they have in the world, but sometimes it can actually be the environment that they're in is just too much for them. That's
0: like, it's so, I mean, I've never thought of it because I feel like when you say kids are overtired or when, you know, you see these, we always go like overtired or hungry. That's kind of like the mom's, you know, like toolbox is like, mm-hmm. they must be hungry. They must be tired. But as they get older, those excuses run thin because, you know, they can self-regulate their bodies more and they know when they're tired and they know when they're hungry to eat. But what kind, of, what kind of, when you say that they have sensory issues, number one, what is a sensory issue? And number two, um, h- how do we know if our kid w- was to be experiencing
2: hunger or say a sensory issue, you know, as a teen or a tween? So funny, funny that you say that. So sensory, let's just go back to the basics for a second. So your sensory system is made up of eight, eight different sensory inputs. So we often only think about the classic ones. So what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we touch, what we taste. Um, Those are the main ones that we often think about. But there is actually a sensory system that is our interoception, which is actually that feeling that we get that we are hungry, that we are tired, that we we have something wrong with them. That is actually our internal sensory system, which sometimes doesn't work very well either. But then we also have a vestibular sensory system, so that's our movement input, so how we move in the world. And then we also have our proprioceptive system, which tells us where our body is in space. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so for example, if you are, um, you know, sometimes, okay. So think for a second, when you go to bed at nighttime, what do you need to do in order to make yourself like calm enough that you can go to sleep? Have a shower. Okay. So you like to have be like, you like to have that shower to calm you down.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I often I think that I, we're so t- scheduled to do it, we don't think about it. But I do know my, my tween who's 11 needs to basically circulate, circulate her room and move things around. Like it sounds like she's moving furniture, but now I know that's part of what she needs to do in order to go to bed, put things away, close the doors, do this. Do She's had all night to do it, but it's right before bed when she goes and does it.
2: And, some, and sometimes that has to do with, so the things that you learn how to do or the things that you figured out how to do to calm yourself down are things that we, we do to self-regulate. So sometimes right. teens, and t- teens and tweens um, can get to the point that they don't know how to, their body just gets so overwhelmed that they don't know how to settle it down, right? So for instance, if there's too much noises in the environment, right, you may not hear the noises, but your body has to still process the noises in the environment, if the well, lights are too loud. But so how, so, okay. So how, what kind of behave, like, so
0: what, I guess um what kind of behaviors co- come from sensory overload or, you know, like, I guess everyone's sensory would have different, you would yeah. have different um, thresholds of what your sensory is. Like some kids concerts wouldn't bother them. Some would be like, I need, I need to get out of here. I can't handle this um so even kids that are
2: tweens and teens and tweens are that are irritable so that you know when they get to that point where you're trying to have a conversation for them but they just are not listening to you they're not hearing you um and sometimes we think it's that they're just being um like i have yeah difficult is a good word um what happens is that they may have been processing so much sensory input in that environment that their level of tolerance is really really like they can't tolerate very much anymore. So anything you say at that point is gonna put them over the top.
0: Whereas so, if you said it
2: yesterday when they were, you know, if you were sitting next to your daughter no. on the couch and it was and you had that same conversation, she would have tolerated it just fine. But now the dog is barking in the background, the other kids are playing, the TV's on, you're cooking dinner, and now she's like, freaks out. I have that.
0: I believe I have that. I, I say there's, too, it's too, it's too loud in my head. Like I can't have the TV on, have a conversation and have you all talking at me. I cannot, it like literally makes me want to explode. And I'm sure a lot of mums don't even realize they have sensory issues and we're sense we're over sensitized all day.
2: So, so that that's the key is that you have figured out that you're like, I've had enough and you can say out loud, I've had enough. What happens is teens and tweens are in that point that hormones are raging. There's all these extra things going on in their bodies that they just often don't know the words. I'm, this is too much for me. And they right. can't put a finger on what it is. So they just explode. And you're like, this is unrational, unreasonable. This is so crazy. it could be like you have a fam- a large family and it's too much for one kid. I have that. I have four kids. So my one of mine is like highly sensitive to noises. Yet I have four kids, a dog. And our house is always chaotic. So it's tough. Like it really is. What do you do
0: with this? Like, what do you do? And how do you figure out, okay, my kid has a sensory issue. Okay, how can I get them to understand their sensory issue?
2: Well, So that's one of the things is that you have to, you as a parent have to be a detective. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, I was talking to you yesterday. You were fine with this. Today you're not. So is it that you don't understand the, like, what environment are we in? What's different? And then you have to start having these conversations with your child about, you know, how does it feel when you're sitting with everybody and everybody's ch- chatting behind you? And see if they can recognize, because teens and tweens, right, you can communicate them. See if they can recognize and you'd be like, you know what, I feel, I, I don't like it when everyone's talking around me. And then you start to build these clues that, that you know you're not going to have a conversation with them when everybody's around them. So if they want to have a conversation with you, you would say, you know what, let's go to the other room and have a conversation.
0: You also know that you can't change that you have four kids and a loud family. So, no. how do you help? Like, I'm just sitting here and I know so many moms are struggling with online schooling of their teens and tweens. And I'm like, oh, they hate it. And um, I wonder if part of it is to do with sensory because you 100%. go on call, everyone's talking, there's things coming at you. There's, look at here, go here, this is bring, flip it, go back and forth. And you're like, Oh, like, it's so interesting. We're having this conversation now. What do you do? Like, how do we manage this as moms with kids with sensory issues?
2: So, so interesting you say that. So one of the things that you have to remember is that we have all these buckets of our sensory system, right? So we have like, you know, that we have, you know, too much, it can be too much noise coming in, but at the same time, our body, in order to find a balance has to be able to have like a balance of all the the things, uh, all the different buckets. So for instance, if our movement bucket is we haven't had a chance to move that morning and our body has this energy in it that we need to get that energy out, Yes. right? What happens is that if you take a kid that has this need, like just this internal need to move and you put them in front of a screen and then you fill them with these other sensory inputs, they're just going to explode because they can't focus. Mm -hmm. Their body is telling them that they need to move. And the only thing they can do is move. And and the screen... need to move?
0: Doesn't every kid, I I don't know a kid who doesn't need to, I I don't know, even, you know, a lot of people say it's boys. I would say I have a daughter, my oldest daughter needs to move more than all of them combined because she has an energy and this, and she probably has a sensory, like something with sensory where it's like, ah, you know, I I bet everyone has some sensory. I don't Mm -hmm. know who doesn't have sensory thresholds.
2: And what's interesting is that even we often treat the, the behavior which is actually the outward display of our internal struggles so we always you know kids talk Wait rudely to say that one more time, time. we often we treat the outward display which is that behavior instead of actually acknowledge the internal struggle so say okay. for instance your daughter speaks rudely to you and is is n- like not nice to you right or yells at you yeah so you'll be like don't talk to me like that that's not appropriate. But the thing that is interesting is you have to also think of what got her to that point that she exploded. Does that make sense? It
0: does. I think, I think, I guess sensory issues, what I hear you saying is a bigger piece to a larger puzzle that adds to the behavior that we often and don't like so not only are they maybe dealing with things at school that we'll never know maybe because they can't articulate it maybe they're having a hard time with a friend maybe they don't like something about their hair that day and then on top of that they walk down the stairs and you start firing 75 questions off at them and they're like it's there's so much in my brain that we can't see and now there's too much in my you know what I mean like so it feels like maybe even asking questions could be a sensory overload for someone who's already at a heightened
2: yeah, level of or and it may not be the question itself, and may yeah. be the 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 actual inpa- intake of any auditory noise. Like it's just too much for them.
0: How right. do we begin to understand whether it's rudeness or they're overloaded with sensories, or how do we begin to decipher between that? Like, how do we do this to to say, okay, maybe you're you're overwhelmed right now, or things are too loud for you. Right? How do you do that? Like, where is there a quiz, or do we just know as moms <laughs> or
2: so one of the things is that you can identify with your kids what things bother them, what, what are their stressors in their life, right? So when they're calm, we've talked about this, Have you like when, you're, when your brain is, is at a heightened state, you can't actually think straight. So having a conversation with them when they're irate and when they're yelling or when they're really upset, you can't actually have a clear conversation with them. So that's not the time to say what's going on in your world, tell me what's happening mm-hmm. because they can't think clearly at that point. So what you need to do is kind of separate the two from each other. And then after the fact, you go back and you say, you know, can you, let's talk about what happened before that moment. So let's not just talk about what happened in that moment where you were being rude. What was happening before that, that maybe got you to the point that, that you felt like I was being rude. And I think when you start asking those questions about what happened before, um, then you'll start to understand if, if it was something that was actually, they were overwhelmed or they you know, something in their life was too much for them versus is it strictly just that they're, they're being rude? Okay.
0: I, 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 I guess you have to look at the whole picture, not just and often I think sometimes I know there's a question here that will get answered, but I think also sometimes as moms, we're overloaded, sensory overloaded. So we come at them in a way that overloads it's like a cycle, a vicious cycle, right? Then we're overloading them. So it's like this this wicked um loop of I'm overwhelmed, you're overwhelmed, now we're both overwhelmed because I'm coming at you in a way that's overwhelming you, you know, and my aggressive tone. The question is. Is the need to have to finish, like capital H A B E, a sentence, and cannot be
2: interrupted or have a com- conversation a sensory issue? Um, it can be, um, and sometimes that has to do with anxiety because you don't want to. Um, you're you're so anxious that you you feel like it needs to go a bit faster than what is actually happening. Um, yes. Right. But again, oftentimes when, when kids have anxiety in social situations, um, it, it can actually be the sensory environment that that social situation is in. So if you have, right, so if you're, this, and this is going to answer that question kind of indirectly, but if you go into an environment where you're already nervous because, you know, the, you know, the lights are bright or the sounds are bright or it's an environment that you don't know the people, so you're kind of on that edge. Um, then what happens is then you react a little bit differently than you would in a normal conversation. There's also kids that just, um, that's their, that's their, their self-regulation response is to answer questions. So to calm themselves down, they feel like they need to keep sharing because that gets out that excess energy inside of them. Right.
0: Are there, um, are there cues or are there things that you hear kids say or teenagers say that makes you be like, huh, sensory issue?
2: Um. Yes and no. It's often when you see them disconnect. So our primitive brain puts us into fight or flight. So we often hear that terminology, right? But so, that's a link
0: to anxiety too. Like this is all intertwined almost with anxiety. Like so much of what you're saying, I'm like, is that I mean they're like anxious or like they're all, they seem to be all coexist together. Would you say that?
2: A hundred percent. So anxiety, actually, I truly believe, and there's some research out there that says that anxiety is actually built off of stressors within our body that we can't regulate. So dealing with anxiety and teaching kids mindfulness is great, but they have you have to understand what sets them to that point in order to change the environment. You can't teach mindfulness to a kid. If it's if they can't handle a loud environment, and you're trying to have them, you know, outside when there's tons of noises, and they will never be mindful because they're overwhelmed by the sensory input. Does that make
0: sense? And yeah, no, it does. What I'm thinking is, I have one who hates mindfulness with a passion, but I think it's because she needs, like me too. When I when I when I when I move my body, that brings me to a calmer place than actually staying still. So when I'm moving, I'm much more calm. In the, during the process and after the process, then lying there for five minutes with my eyes closed.
2: So you can be mindful and walking at the same time because right. you're, you're filling that vestibular need, which is the movement need. And so in terms of like, if your movement need is, is being filled, then you're actually at a just right state. So you're actually at a balanced state. So you bring yourself up to the point where you are balanced. And then what happens is then you can kind of relax and calm down. I, I, you,
0: I think I because I, wa- I know this question's here, but and I, I m- a lot of moms are facing um, anxiety, especially in this pan- pandemic with their children. But I I think that the the big question that you're saying is number one. It can you have to kind of find what that de-escalator is in your child before we just go to mindfulness or whatever it is. And I mean, I I guess the question here is mind shuts down when he gets anxiety and I don't know how to bring him out of it. Like at a busy gym, we might visit. So you're like, well, there might be some sensory (laughs) issues that he feels overwhelmed and gets anxious about, I'm assuming.
2: Yes. So hundred percent. So the thing is you have to recognize what is it about that environment. So if, So anxiety comes out of, so we, he went to a busy gym at one, I'm just speculating, but he went to a busy gym at one point, the lights are bright, the sounds of the clanging of the, the, you know, dumbbells and stuff, the amount of people that are there, like all these things that are in that room. So if you go in there and you literally just stand and you, you like even smell the gym, like I think it smells. I know, it's
0: true actually, like rubber, rubber.
2: So smell, the sound, the lights, everything, it's overwhelming, Then what happens is your body will get some sort of response. You'll either, you know, be okay with it. You'll get heightened or you won't even notice. The thing is, is if you get heightened in that response, if you get that feeling with your body, your body remembers that. So then it associates gym with that feeling of, oh, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. So then what happens is say you go to, you say, I'm, let's go to the gym. All of a sudden that word gym triggers, I don't like that feeling And then you get anxiety and you don't want to go to the gym because you know that your body doesn't like the feeling when it gets there. And so that triggers anxiety because you're like, I'm not going there because that doesn't make me feel good.
0: So how do we talk them down from that?
2: So part of it is understanding and figuring out what part of it they don't like. So if they don't like the gym because of the sound, well, then you can buy them the noise canceling headphones. Right, and then they put the noise canceling headphones before so they go say into the
0: gym. Before the before. So, w- what don't you like about the gym? Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Do you not like the noises? Do you not like the smell? It's beautiful. Thank you. What do you not like about what, What's the experience you don't like? I think what they're looking, the moms are looking for, mm-hmm. is like, ha, like, what are the questions we're asking to identify is a yeah. sensory for you.
2: So that's the exactly what you said. Ask them the specific questions. What is it you don't like? And if they say it is the sound, then put on the headphones. If they say it's the smell, well, it's hard to change that, but you can give them, you know, I've, I've given people sweat bands and put like essential oil drops in it so that they can like smell their own, you know, a scent that's calming to them. If that's enough. If it's the lights, you see people at the gym sometimes wearing baseball hats or some people wear sunglasses at the gyms if it's really bright lights. Um, right? So those are things that you can do. You see people in grocery stores wearing baseball hats because the lights in grocery stores are overwhelming.
0: I, and I, I actually feel so badly for so many kids because schools must be so overloaded for them. And they get there. It's not that they're anxious about school. They're anxious about the environment. Yes. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel
1: style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,
2: The cat
1: Code buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
0: We hope you um, truly enjoyed listening to that expert because that's what it's all about—is bringing you guys information quickly and easily so you don't feel overwhelmed. Because, gosh, this parenting journey can feel so lonely and so overwhelming. If you are interested in knowing more about the Common Parent, head to thecommonparent.com. It is just full of amazing, useful information to make you feel a little bit more in control and actually help your relationship with your teen or tween. And to be honest with you, it goes across like all of our relationships because relationships are relationships are relationships. And couldn't we all use a little little bit of help in that area? Um, We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you go to thecommonparent.com. And again, thank you guys for joining us. Um, Wherever you may be, we hope you have a beautiful, wonderful day or night.